the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. We're on an odd one. <laughs> Elaine does the odd ones because she's odd. Right, thank you for that, Julia. There's nothing like a warm welcome. So, hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3. I'm Elaine. And I'm Julia. And I've got to make sure that today, Julia, I look straight ahead rather than at you to my right. That's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like hearing a little sound in my left ear and and I can't work out what it is and I can't react to your face or anything. So, can we Hmm. change seats, Gareth? No, shaking his head. Shaking his head. Right then. So, for those of you who know it already, this is not an exam, but this is how we start. So, anybody new might not know this, Julia. So, do you know it? It's Facebook, Instagram, and Kiss. Twitter. No, not Kiss. Twitter. Oh, it's cross, isn't it? At Potty Plotters. Yeah. TikTok at the Potty Plotters. Email us naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk or check out our website pottyplotters.uk The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters Coming up today then, well we've got a chat with Simon Bacon who is a plantsman and I'll tell you what, he does know his stuff. I don't like to say that very often about too many guests but he does and that's why we've got him, isn't it? Yeah and he's already started abusing us in the background so that's that's good, we like him already. (laughs) Right then and besides that we're going to look again at um, some sweet peas and I've got loads of them in front of me. We're going to do a compare.com or something similar And, um, and we're going to talk about peppers and heat mats as well why do we bother with all that because we might as well just get on with it aren't we well we're going to talk about that later so don't preempt yourself we've got that that we build people up remember it's kind of the teaser oh right okay we've not done any recipes or hints and tips for a while elaine so i'm sure you must have some kind of hint or tip going it's like rules isn't it in my language but yes here's one that i did earlier if it is that you want to protect your plant pots at this time of year that you've perhaps planted with spring bulbs then why not turn upside down a colander and that will keep everything out believe you me it's kept the mice out of my greenhouse on the plant pot itself and i'm going to send a little photograph you can see how well it's worked right and when you finish with that when the bulbs are through just another suggestion you could turn the colander upside down and make it into a hanging basket that's what i'll do hints and tips for shortcuts to success the potty plotters podcast so before we get on to the sweet peas and chitting potatoes we do chit our sweet peas as well but that's a uh, another episode isn't it Elaine (laughs) yeah anyway um you might have recently read about all these new tariffs and paperwork about uh, importing fresh fruit and vegetables into the country and how that's going to impact on uh, prices and it's uh, I think it's inclusive of flowers as well yeah. so it will make a massive difference I'm sure not only to the people who are bringing them into the country but people like us who are buying stuff and people out there who are listening to it so why not start now it is the month February to have a go at growing your own you might find that it's cheaper and it's certainly more exciting if you'd like Elaine and Julia to come to a talk for your group, get in touch. Naughty Corner at pottyplotters.uk Last year, Julia, we talked about sweet peas and yet again, it's that time of year to talk more about them. Now, if you remember, we got them going and we got them chitting early and that was by simply using a takeaway container. We put um, paper on the bottom 
wet it, sprinkled the seeds on the top, put another wet piece of paper on the top of that, clipped the lid to and then left it. And after four or five days, not only had they started to chip, but they actually started to physically grow. So then you take the paper off and then pop them into compost. Now I've done that and here's an example I grew earlier. Mm. Now what I've done, because they grew so fast and so leggy, what I've done is I've snipped them off. Now you might be thinking, well that's not very good. No, it's not. No. Well, I'm thinking it's not very <laughs> good either. However, they are continuing to grow. So what I needed to do with these is move them outside because I've grown them too quickly you if have, that's possible. You have. have they been too close to a heat source in the window? Uh, they've been in the window which is quite warm it's the warmest place in our house sitting in a window nowadays. <laughs> Are you still on that tariff? by the way no that's gone now oh, right, no, I'm okay. paying full wax so oh. don't you be expecting me to do the dehydrating this year <laughs> but yeah you can tell though can't you yeah. they've grown too quickly so I'm keeping them going but I have moved them now to a cold room which is every other place that we sit <laughs> and uh, and hopefully that will slow them down if I thought about it I could put them in the greenhouse they'd be fine outside yeah well this uh, although we're doing this audio um, I think Gareth might be videoing this and a bit of show and tell I have got some that I pre-chittered here but I grew them on in the greenhouse so I did them exactly the same time as you and these have taken a much slower growth to them but look they're looking much happier and healthier there Elaine yeah I like them and yeah. uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they grow finally when it comes to the next few months and yeah. certainly in May when perhaps we've put them into the barrels which we're going to be planting them into yeah. and uh, and you're going to put some into the polytunnel as well I aren't am. you? I am and I've already got some well ahead of the game here. Now when did you plant these? Now can you remember we went to see Keith uh, Keith Fern yes, in Christ. Yes. And Keith pulled me to one side and said, You're doing your sweet peas wrong. You should be planting them in October. So that is what I did. And I planted the sweet peas in October. I didn't pre soak them or anything. And I just popped them into these root trainers because I'd got them for free. So I thought, Oh, well, nice not? one. And uh, they're looking really, really healthy and happy. Now, the only I am going to plant these in the polytunnel. Yeah. The only problem that I've experienced with them, and it is on, the only problem, is the fact that I left them down on the allotment. And, and because we got flooded and because of all that wind and everything, I never got down for a couple of days. And guess who found some of the sweet peas? Mice. The mice. Did they? Yeah. So the mice nipped a few of them, but... On the whole, most of them I managed to keep and get going again. So that's the only downside, I think, to doing it over the winter is that you've got to protect them and look after them a bit more. So for people who are listening to this now in February, mm. it's too late to go backwards into October. That's something yeah, for us to yeah. think about this next year. Um, this year not this next year because that would make it 2025 and i'm not very good at maths but instead what we'll do is we'll tell people about planting them like this yep. which is simply popping them into uh, multi-purpose compost like we were talking about before and then slowing them down by putting them and growing them yep. outside in the greenhouse or even outside if you haven't got a greenhouse yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you don't want them to grow uh, tall and leggy like yours Nothing wrong with tall and leggy, Julia. You're being tall and leggiests, aren't you? I think if you put them out in in the or in the ground, they would die, my friend. <laughs> it's called.
called an experiment, not a mistake. Right then, so you're going to put these in the polytunnel. When yeah. are you going to do that? Uh, very soon, actually. What, today? Uh, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Oh. They're ready to go in, they're ready to come out of the route uh, trainers. And I have dug over an area of the dig side of the polytunnel, and they'll happily get going. The only thing I need to make sure of, there's no holes that the mice can get in. Okay. Still a little bit, well, they potentially could get nipped off by the mice. So we'll update people next time we're on and uh, let them know how you're going on yes. with them. Smash him. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Next thing is we're going to talk about chitting potatoes. Now, I know that we talked about it on series one or season one. Is that right? Oh, yeah, it's getting nasty now. Look at him. Did you? Is it season or season. Se- season? Season, right. Season one. But I'm just going to go over it, Julia, for um, people perhaps who don't know what on earth we're talking about. Well, the- <laughs> I don't know what on earth we're talking about, but go on. Right then. So we've got some first early potatoes here. Now, don't get tangled up on what's a first early, what's a main crop, what's a second early. Don't worry about it. But we've got some potatoes, seed potatoes here, and these are Winston. Now, you've chosen Winston. Is that for a reason, Julia? <laughs> well, I actually went in to buy some Casablanca, but I couldn't get any Casablanca. And they said, try Winston. It's very like Casablanca. So that's why I've got Winston. It's a good job it wants shoe polish because you'd come out with anything, wouldn't you? Let's face it. Right then. I'm a salesman. Dream, <laughs> I am. Right. Next thing is I've got this net and seed potatoes generally are sold in nets in two kilogram packs. And now I will say these are lovely taters. Thank How you. do you know a lovely tater from a bad one? Well, um, a bad one it might be a bit squishy yeah it might look a bit furry on the outside it might look like it's got some kind of fungus on it it might be weeping some kind of um stuff out of it i don't know what to call it but it might be weeping um but yeah you want a nice healthy one you want to look at it and think well i might eat that these are nice in that they are clean they're dry they've not already started to sprout so sprouting so the little buds are still covered there's nothing at all they're lovely like and the ones um, that you find at the back of your cupboard that have got long white sprouts 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 on them yeah yeah not we're not having them no okay. no don't do that okay. we're just going to go for these because how much were they I think they were about four pounds. Okay, so for two kilos, that's a pound for a kilo. Um, yeah, that works out quite reasonable, <laughs> whatever a kilo pounds. is. <laughs> two pound a kilo, Elaine. <laughs> right. Simple math. Okay, then. So not everybody wants loads of taters, and I don't. <laughs> it's not good, is it, when uh, your producer's laughing, and now we're having to walk away. Yeah. Well, you know. the reason I got these first early is because some of them are going to go in the polytunnel, and, of course, when the first earlies come out, the chip pan comes out, so I obviously had to get a two kilogram bag for that reason. That's a good idea. Mm. Thinking of others at all times. So all that we're going to do then is I've got my recycling bag here, one of them. And hey, your uh, husband's glad you bought <laughs> one bag less in the house. Oh, you know how it is. Collect it all year. Don't throw that away. I need it. That's how it goes. So these are just the egg boxes. Um, don't throw those away. And all that you do is literally stack. Oh, look at that. I've got a ladybird in there. Aww. Anyway, so stand your potato in the egg box just like you would an egg. So that's a good size seed potato, isn't it? Because it's about the size of an egg. Yeah, and there's loads of them if you have a look in here, Julia. Look at that. They're all lovely. Now, what you'll notice is I am actually putting them 
one stop away from each other and i'm doing that so they don't touch each other because if one does happen to go bad yeah we don't want it to infect all the others no. and then what we're going to do is we're going to put this in a cool room and make sure look at that ladybird it's climbed on me now quite understandable you've obviously oh. got aphids <laughs> then so all i'm going to do is keep that in a cool room in the light mm -hmm. towards the light but make sure it doesn't get too warm and make sure they don't get frosted because if they get frosted i can tell you now they will simply rot I've listed for today, Julia, uh, myths and assumptions around allotment in because uh, I'm not a big fan and I'm not a very big user of uh, all of the social media -y stuff. But when I do look at it, I have to shut some of it down simply because I get a bit cross. I get cross because of things that people put that aren't true. And also the fact that we're all in different locations of the world. So at this time of year, some people will be setting off, for instance, their squash and pumpkins now unless you're hazel chambers in and you're in australia yeah. then that's really not a wise thing to do no no i think there's a panic that spreads over the whole of social media when everyone goes i'm planting this i'm planting that and unless you've got specific conditions or your location is very warm actually don't do it don't do it hold back because a plant will always catch up if you plant it later whereas if you go too early all it's going to do is struggle and you're going to have to really nurture it or it's going to die. So, for instance, uh, I repeatedly see things about toilet rolls, um, oh. empty toilet rolls, yeah. And one of them is about broad beans. So I'm going to talk about that because broad beans are some of the first beans that we plant. Now then, if you're going to plant into an empty toilet roll holder, all I'm going to do is ask you to think about this. Have you actually tried to rip one? If you haven't, how does a broad bean feel trying to escape? Because eventually that broad bean will want to grow and will want to get out of that toilet roll. But how do they? Because if you water it too much, you'll rot the bean. And if you don't water it enough, it won't be able to get out. No. You haven't thought about it, have you? looking at me like, no, I have what? I've thought about it and I've seen it and I've tried it. And, and like you say, the um, what I found when I've tried that method is that the broad bean and any bean that I've done it with have been quite stunted because the rooms have uh, the roots haven't had room to stretch out and break through the toilet paper toilet roll properly. Yeah, so I would steer away from them unless it is that before you plant the broad bean, you cut down the toilet roll and take the toilet roll off. A lot of the toilet roll holders, I don't know if you know, but actually they've got um like a. a covering on the inside that it's not plastic but i don't know what it is but honestly it's dead hard to escape if i'd got one up here i'd make you have a go at it now <laughs> and gareth's looking round as mm. if we're going to find one in the community polytunnel <laughs> i'm not really sure but we'll we'll think about that gareth yeah. thank you yeah. so that's the first thing and also it's um it's about planting anything in these toilet rolls. Honestly, think very carefully about how the plant is going to get out of it. And maybe we do it because everybody else is and we don't think yeah. long and hard. Do you think newspaper's better? Making newspaper Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, that's easy to actually rot down, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. If you wet newspaper,
paper it doesn't take long yeah. before it disappears yeah. but um, personally speaking I just cut all of that out and just put it straight yeah. into the soil when we get to that stage and I'm just looking here at this egg box because yeah. you've listed eggshells as something I to have. talk about yeah eggshells are another myth if you think that slugs are not going to be bothered by the odd eggshell that you've crushed up you've diligently crushed up be mistaken it's not going to happen because the majority of your slugs will come from underneath not over the top yeah funny our world isn't it yeah i think there have been trials of different things and, and it wasn't proven to make that much difference and certainly when we've tried it it's not made any difference so so i would say keep off them as well unless it is that you want to do it to keep other creatures off your allotment such as cats now then, how do you keep cats off your allotment, Julia? Well, you can buy that stuff in a box or you could go to the zoo and get some lion raw, lion poo. Lion raw? Lion, they, honestly, there's something called lion raw or it's called raw lion. It's indicating that it's got a gun. That's not very nice. Well, I'm anyway. a cat lover, stop yeah, it, guys. It's not so, nice. No, okay. but cats don't like, um, apparently don't like bigger cats doo-doos so that might be good although that's quite hard to get hold of and i'm not going in there to scoop it up after them so i mean one thing being a cat owner uh, parent uh, one thing i do know that they don't like is citrus so if you were to put say citrus peel around something that you want to protect from the cats i wouldn't have thought they'd want to go on your beds very much Okay, and uh, what I am going to do very shortly, because a cat has left me a great big present this morning. Are you sure it was the cat and not the fox? Are you blaming cats? I am blaming cats oh. by the colour of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm doing an analysis, but I'm telling you it's a cat. Okay. And so I'm going to go back to what my dad used to do, which was uh, using knitting needles and wool or nylon. And all that you do... <laughs> Knit yeah, it a coat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you do is you tie the string or the nylon, whatever it is, to one of your knitting needles, put it into the ground, the area that you've dug over yeah. or that you're going to be used, or for instance, you put bulbs in, and then all that you do is like a macrame right across Ooh. all of that raised bed and that area. And so you end up with just nothing but string all over it. Cat can't get in unless they can do ballet. <laughs> Tightrope. No, you know, you know, I'm cats telling you. Like wall don't you they play with it they won't be playing with this <laughs> let me tell you anyway another uh, myth and well it's not a myth and assumption actually some people do use it and they use it for good reason but you often see uh, people talking about going out and buying heat mats and also grow lights do we need them elaine uh, well, I don't because I'm big enough, but um, I've never used a heat mat. And it's funny because Kev Block 2 was talking about buying one the oh. other day. Now, I've seen them, but I don't know how necessarily they're any better than what we've got already in like your conservatory or at home, yeah. you know, on the windowsill. I think if people haven't got windowsills, maybe um, that they can use and access. Maybe it's a good idea, you know, because we use it because it's over the radiator um, but I think if you want to get something going and it needs a, a consistent heat over a period of time, like the, for saying the anti-rhinum seeds that we planted last week, I mean I've obviously got them in a place where I know they'll germinate and I know those temperatures get up, but they need a, quite a high temperature to get them going and consistently, as do the aubergines and the peppers and things like that that we're talking about. So it's about really 
they're not necessary but sometimes they can help depending on your conditions that you've got have you tried putting newspaper on i know that's a thing that a lot yeah. of people don't have anymore have you tried putting newspaper underneath the pots that you're growing them in yes i have yeah because that will keep them yeah, warm yeah that's yeah. another thing cats like yeah. isn't it they do they do and grow lights elaine grow lights oh they're all over the internet this year everybody someone must be knocking them out very cheaply that's all i can think but there are certain circumstances when i think there are an advantage cannabis oh (laughs) just saying i've seen that on the telly it must be true (laughs) but as a general rule we've never had to to use them because again we put things on the windowsill and we make sure that we turn the plants around every day so that they the light the plants aren't stretching to the light the purpose of the grow light is to for things to kind of um grow at a reasonable pace towards the light the grow light um but it's not necessary is it well i don't think so because we're trying to keep costs down so by buying all these fandangled things we're using electricity etc all over again so just have a go this year and see what happens i mean i'd say to listeners if you are uh, if you have got seedlings put them as close to the light source as possible don't put them over the back the far side of your room because they are really going to stretch towards the light then so it's a bit of common sense um but it's about your own conditions really but it's not necessary Give it a go. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. We are thrilled, honoured, and um, any other big word like that, anyway, uh, to say welcome to Simon the Plantsman, Simon Bacon. Certainly a person who knows a a thing or two about trees. That's why we've got him here, isn't it? Yes. Simon, it's lovely to see you here. Tell us about yourself and uh, tell us about your horticultural history. Thanks for having me today, ladies. Um... I'm Simon the Plantsman. Um, I've worked in horticulture for probably 35 years now, and I worked for 30 years at a local nursery, growing plants of all different sorts, from bedding plants right through to fruit trees, which we're going to be talking about today. Um, recently, um, having left that employment, I've become Simon the Plantsman, so I now go around maintaining people's gardens, planting schemes, selling plants, um, as a little bit of a broadening of my horticultural uh, uh, enterprise really in the 35 years then simon you must have planted and grown and ordered and given and bought lots and lots of different well trees i was going to say including me because you've sold some to me as well i think i've been that. yeah really so what is the difference between at this time of year a bare rooted tree that we keep telling everybody to buy or one in a plant pot well, the main uh, reason for buying bare root, obviously, you've got a, quite a, a good um, financial saving. It gives you a, a bigger range of fruit to, to be looking at as well and easier to source online for people who want to shop online. Um, the tree's sort of younger usually, but it gives you some more training options as well. And um, because it's not in a, uh, in a pot... Um, you are very limited on the time of the year that you can buy, so obviously only in the, like the, the dormant months. Um, not so many places sell them as well these days, bare root. Um, so you often end up buying a pot-grown tree, which for a lot of people is, is what they're looking for um, because they've got an established root system in a pot-grown tree and usually a more mature specimen to start off with. Uh, and everybody's in a rush to pick the first plums. you are aren't you Lane (laughs) I like to get my hands on plums indeed 
So when you actually, I mean, I look at a, a tree and I normally look at the shape of them. I don't really know very much about them. But when we have bought trees in the past from you and when you have a look in magazines, etc., they've got this fandangled system language thing, like a coding. What, what's that all about? Well, it's usually referring to rootstock. Um, which is eventually what limits the size of your tree, um, impacts on vigour and such like. Um, so obviously with your apples, you've got the M series of rootstocks. So M27, M9, M26, MM106 and upwards. I think I've driven on them. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a motorway system, doesn't <laughs> is that it? what we should be looking for? So allotment sites, a lot of allotment sites will ask us only to plant dwarf stock. Is that are those the M's that we should be looking for? Yeah, I mean, M, M27 and M9 are probably your dwarfest trees that are commonly sold. Um, semi-dwarf would be uh, M26, um, which would give you a tree maybe up to 10 foot, and you could restrict it below that. Um, you'd have to sub- probably work with your allotment society to find out what your ultimate heights are that you, you can grow. And also, could you train those trees as an espalier instead and sort of bend the rules a little bit on height by by growing a more vigorous stock but out instead of up um that would again be something you'd have to probably identify with the allotment society that you're that you're on um so yeah i mean then you, you go into that your plums and and all of your cherries and things like that um always best to try and go for a dwarf stock if you can especially with cherries because you're going to have to be netting them to stop every bird in the neighborhood maybe that's where cats come in it might keep your birds away from your cherries but um so yeah so you'd be looking at probably uh giselle five for um for a cherry and uh with plums there's pixie root stocks vva1 may well have sort of superseded pixie now um, you do see some very dwarf fruit offered, especially at garden centres yeah. these days. Um, it's a bit of a difficult one as to work out if that's a route you should go down because if you make a tree too dwarf, you're going to be impacting on plant health, maybe cropping ability. And I think some of the, uh, the heights that are quoted are a little bit of fantasy as well at times, um, just playing on people aiming for a little dwarf tree that you're probably not really going to get is that like a micro pig (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you remember people were selling them and then they ended up with giant pigs yeah i saw a um, a plum tree recently and it said it grew a meter high but you could see it had grown 40 centimeters in one growing season so unless it knew it could only grow another 60 centimeters the reality was going to give you a very good then is it so yeah and, and you, you need more um, experience for maintaining a tree when it's small because it usually means more summer pruning yeah. to maintain the, the overall structure. Um, but yeah, if you've got an allotment where you're limited on size, then I guess work with the allotment society to, to identify ultimate heights that are allowed and then see if you can bend the rules by <laughs> training a tree as an espalier. Yeah. Um, or just do as you told, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Don't she think raises so. an eyebrow. No. So are, are dwarf trees less productive or more productive than... They can be very productive because they're not so interested in actual growing. Um, so they often put more blossom growth out, but it's finding that balance where if you overcrop, you just end up with little plums. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah so sometimes you have to thin your fruit more keep an eye more on the watering and feeding right. but yeah i mean they can be a very productive uh plant because as i say they're not they're not looking to put 
lots of growth out and is there a big price difference generally then between those in pots and those that are bare rooted there's a big difference there can be a big difference in the price of just the dwarf compared to normal uh, you know the the, the more uh, the dwarf root stocks um, there's always a price premium on those and we always found like well i used to work that you were always paying a premium um, and there's a big premium difference in bare root or or pot grown because you know a bare root tree has been lifted out of a field and shipped direct to you or you know yeah. to a garden center for you to buy whereas a, a potted tree has maybe been grown by the, the grower oh, for yeah. two or three years so you're paying for their experience yeah. uh, and, and their training ability so but, but equally you're getting that so much more for your for your money and you've yeah. got an established root system you don't have to worry about yeah, if you're buying yeah. the bare root you might have a massive top but very little bottom yeah. and um <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to balance that the tree up by pruning a lot off of what you've just bought um and you've got you haven't got an established root system so you're having to be more careful on the establishment especially for the first year while the tree roots out because it's it's having a bit of a midlife crisis already by not having all of its roots that it would have had when it was in the field um, but from experience as long as you're careful um it's surprising how little root a tree because the plant doesn't want to die it no, wants no. to grow yeah so um as long as you balance it up by pruning the crown back to which you'll be doing to get a nice branch system anyway you've just got to like chop off maybe 50 percent of what you've just bought it, at mm-hmm. times but you know that loss gives you a gain further down the line do you think that um i mean a lot of supermarkets now um sell trees and we are getting lots of people um, speak to us about the trees that are in the supermarkets. Are they any good? What's your experience of those? I did have a customer once who bought um, an apple from a well-known supermarket mm. chain. And when it grew, it was a damson, um, which was interesting. Um, when I look at the trees and noting the price, which is usually very low, very. Um, and noting the cost of what a, a, a dwarf rootstock is yeah. um, and they often don't say what the rootstock is on the yeah. product um, I would be very wary of buying such trees they, they may be more suitable for you know home gardens or yeah. or um, planting up in community orchards but I, I, I personally can't see that some of the trees that are being sold can be on the rootstocks which are really dwarf Um, so that could be a bit of an issue for people buying um, because if you can't identify the rootstock you you, don't know what what you're planting on your allotment do you um, I don't know whether you can get away with just being so yeah no no getting away with that (laughs) if you if you go beyond the height that's required they would just expect you to chop it down to that height so and it's not that you're not going to get the productivity then are you but i mean if if you're starting out with a a tree a young tree uh, especially as a bare root where you might buy just a maiden um if you know you've got a target height then just start your your trunk and your branch system lower right um don't let it grow to a you know shoulder height yeah um, before you do before something, you do to something it. with it yeah. i mean trees often these days start at hip height and i, I realize everybody's hips can be at different heights uh, especially yes. between the two of you <laughs> um but um 
yes just just factor in your ultimate height and don't prune it don't wait until it gets to the height you you no. you you're aiming for start pruning it as a you know as a youngster and and gradually get to that height with a better and shape what about people who buy um apple trees or crab apples like i've done before to put in pots because again not everybody's got an allotment and maybe they just want to put something into a pot and then um keep it on the garden or on the balcony even yeah you can quite happily containerize apples and crab apples ideally on a dwarf rootstock um that containerization does reduce the the vigor of the tree and helps to restrict it for some time um you may end up in sort of a, a half whiskey barrel so um you know i'd size like to wise. end up in a whiskey <laughs> barrel <laughs> i was just going to say you, water barrel <laughs> i was going to say elaine you could uh, you could cut one of yours open and, uh, and get two trees in, in couldn't you? yeah um so yeah th- there's nothing to stop you from doing that at all but as i say where you can you're going to have to be pruning to and, and apples and crabs lend themselves very well to that because you can do an awful lot of summer pruning sort of in late summer yeah. um you know to keep it really restricted it might mean you're cutting off two or three feet of growth but by doing so then you're making blossom growth which gives you more flowers and fruit so if people want to know more about growing on an allotment or if it is that they're thinking of a community orchard or something how can they get hold of you simon well they could contact me um, via my uh, website which is plantsman.com or you could drop me an email at plantsman at aol.com uh, they can follow me on facebook as well at simon the plantsman Right then, so back at it, Julia, planning. Mm. Now, you know that I'm rehashing my, uh, well, half of my plot. It's about killing me in the process. I but noticed, it yeah. is the right time to be doing it. So I've now got uh, railway sleepers. I'm making some raised beds. I've brought my cardboard in, but I'm planning. And also I'm planning what I'm going to plant. It's February. Why should we be doing that at this time of year? Well, if we're thinking ahead, uh, we're looking at how things are going to fit into the plot. You know, you need to be thinking about water as well so I'm looking at things thinking well if I put there they need a lot of watering and that's a lot of backwards and forwards with the watering can so and it's just about giving everything room to grow so and as we know we're going for more flowers this year so just just think the process through don't be too keen just to stick it in anywhere really and the other thing is that I've uh, I've actually cajoled somebody it's Kef plot he's got a trailer and i'm going to go and get some washed sharp sand now then i've decided to invest in that because there's not many things that don't like sand on this allotment and with the water being as it is i thought it will stop the um soil getting claggy yeah don't no so that's what i'm going to do so that is my plan and i know it's a big investment but i know that it's going to be worth it overall and i've also decided i'm going to do two whole beds of beetroot goodness <laughs> me yeah gareth is now shaking his head and walking away but i am because that is something that is so versatile i love it yeah he's screwing his face up now as well but i've decided that's what i'm going to do and in light of i think that there is going to be a big cri- uh, cr- not crisis but price increase this next year i'm in quite sure yeah you mark my words you mark my words i've got my <laughs> beetroot baron <laughs> get your beetroot here yeah it could be something like that you could be having such a funny colour by the end of the year if you eat all that beetroot 
<laughs> you can have white and you can have yellow oh, as well, you, you know, and stripy. Oh, I didn't think you were allowed to do those. Well, Bill thinks that's my husband. He thinks that they taste different. Actually, if I put a blindfold in, I wouldn't know. Mind you, he doesn't know I'm there or not. So anyway, that's what I'm going to do, <laughs> okay. planning. What are you doing? Well, I'm already ahead of the game. So. Oh, I'll cut you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I've already planned out where things are going. Oh, good. Yeah, right, OK. So as we've said, got more flowers. So I'm going to make sure that they're need, near the water sources and also for harv- uh, for kind of taking cuttings and things off them. So and really, I think I'm only going to plant my vegetables in the no-dig beds that, that I've already set good. up, not the ones that I'm currently setting. But I've gone all no-dig. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Right, well, that's lovely then. Well, I don't know about you, and uh, I noticed that Simon, when he was talking to us, went a funny colour. I think it's all to do with the fact that it's so chuffy not in here. Really we is. are in a polytunnel yeah. in the uh, in, in the sunshine, and uh, yeah, he looks like he's indicating that he's on fire. Right. It's either that or it really is. So uh, I'm going to take my scarf off is now. Is that how we give our uh, guests a roasting? Is it? we bring them into the polytunnel? He puts a new light on the word, doesn't yeah. it? Anyway, let's go get the kettle on all right and let's talk about next time next oh. time what we'll be doing we'll be doing more of the same Try <laughs> the Plotcast podcast with the potty plotters is an amberland media production